0: tonight. You really are so good, so gracious to us. And I thank you, Lord, for the sacrifice that you gave on our behalf. And Lord, there's no sacrifice that you ask of us that is um, beyond your worth. And Lord, everything, everything that we could give for you, you're earning and deserving of it. I pray here tonight that you would teach us. And Lord, as we look at this very important testimony tonight of a woman that gave so much. Lord, I pray that you would use this to challenge us this evening. We pray in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Now, as you're seated, I want you to turn your Bibles to the Gospel of Mark this evening. Uh, Mark chapter 14. We'll also look at a passage of Scripture, a parallel passage in the Gospel of John chapter number 12 here this evening. Uh, Just a question before we begin tonight. Um, I'm wondering uh, what uh, would be the the most dear thing or possession that you have in your life. Uh, What would be the hardest thing for you to give up or to sacrifice or to surrender to the Lord? Now, there are many examples in the Bible, but do you remember the time that God came to Abraham in Genesis chapter 22? And God said, Abraham, I want you to take this son, Isaac, the son that you dearly love, your only son, and I want you to offer him as a sacrifice on the mount or the place where I will tell thee. And The Bible tells us that Abraham obeyed God. And we know the account that God eventually came and said, Abraham, uh, no, don't do it. I just wanted to know that you're willing. And God said, Abraham, because you have obeyed my voice, uh, that in blessing I will bless thee. And uh, God said, your seed will be as the stars of the heaven. And God uh, blessed Abraham. Uh, And by the way, there's this thought that uh, there's nothing that you can give to God, which is uh, something that he cannot repay. You can never outgive God or you can never outdo God. I think of uh, the time that the Lord Jesus Christ, walking by the Sea of Galilee, uh, spoke to uh, Peter and to to Andrew and then to James and to John. And uh, he said to them, follow me. And I will make you fishers of men. And we read in the word of God that they left all. They straightway, immediately, they didn't question. They left it all. They left their business. They left their jobs. They left it all behind in order to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, what we're going to do tonight is we're going to look at a woman who gave a great amount. And will be in the gospel of Mark chapter 14. And uh, I want to just uh, lay the foundation here for our passage of Scripture. If you look with me in verse number 1, just the context here, Mark chapter 14, after two days, was the feast of the Passover. And of unleavened bread, and the chief priests and the scribes sought how they might take him by craft and put him to death. And uh, we're at this point, uh, this is the Passion Week of the Lord Jesus Christ, and uh, we're at this point or this place that the chief priests, the religious leaders have determined that they are going to take and slay the Lord Jesus Christ. They were jealous of him. Uh, they hated him. They envied him. They desired to kill him. And so they're, they're putting everything together into this effort to take the life of Jesus Christ. Now, Jesus knew all of this, and yet he still made his way to Jerusalem. And we believe that uh, Jesus Christ willingly pressed toward the cross. He willingly laid down his life. Now, I believe the crucifixion actually took place on a Wednesday last night. Here's a church. We observed the Lord's supper, and uh, I believe this was the picture of that Tuesday night when the Lord uh, met with the disciples in the in the upper room, and they uh, together uh, partook of the of the uh, Passover, uh, but he instituted at that time the Lord's Supper, and that has been commanded as a local body that uh, we would meet, and as often as we do, that we would do in remembrance of him. And so that was on a Tuesday night, the Lord was arrested as they went to the Garden of Gethsemane. He was tried by the religious leaders, then taken to Pilate early Wednesday morning, and then crucified, and we believe he was taken for the cross on Wednesday evening, laid in the tomb, and in fulfillment of Scripture, three days and three nights uh, he spent in the earth. And uh, for the Jewish, uh, beginning of a new day, that would have been Saturday at sundown, and uh, he arose and then appeared to the disciples that following Sunday, the first day of the week. Now, what we find here in Mark chapter 14 is a passage that deals with this anointing of the Lord Jesus Christ for burial. And before he was crucified, a special woman in the scripture comes to the forefront and she breaks an expensive alabaster box upon the Lord Jesus Christ, poured it upon the head of the Lord. Now, I, I want you to keep your place in Mark chapter 14. I'd like you to move forward to the Gospel of John chapter 12. There's a parallel passage of Scripture in John chapter number 12. Uh, there are some details that are added for us in the Gospel of John. Uh, we have uh, this passage of Scripture also in the Gospel of Matthew and here in the Gospel of Mark that we're studying. And I, I just quickly want to pick up a couple of the details from John chapter number 12. In John chapter 12, we get the specific time. You see in the Gospel of Mark and Matthew, it's not in chronological order. Uh, There, the anointing for burial is paired with this uh, betrayal of Judas Iscariot. But as we read here in John chapter 12, just a couple of verses here, verse number one, it adds some details, and we have this specific timeline. Then Jesus, six days before the Passover, came to Bethany, where Lazarus was, which had been dead, whom he raised from the dead. And so neither Mark nor uh, Matthew give us that specific time. This took place in Bethany. And the Bible tells us in the Gospel of Mark, it was the house of Simon the leper. Now I want you to read on in verse number two. There they made him a supper, and Martha served, and that was pretty typical of Martha. You find her often in the Bible, and her means, so she was a servant, and that was her spiritual gift. And her means of worshiping the Lord was through her service. It reads, but Lazarus was one of them that sat at the table with him. And here is this Lazarus that in chapter 11 has been raised from the dead. And so we have Mary, or Martha and Lazarus, but notice in verse number 3, Then took Mary, so these three siblings, and here is Mary that you find so often at the foot of Jesus, so often worshiping the Lord. Then took Mary a pound of ointment of spikenard, very costly, and anointed the feet of Jesus, and wiped his feet with her hair, and the house was filled with the odor of the ointment. Now, here the Bible tells us she anointed the feet of Jesus, and the Bible tells us in Mark that she poured this upon the head of Jesus. And here is Mary worshiping the Lord, and it's such a beautiful picture here. Another interesting detail that's not given to us in the Gospel of Mark that we'll turn to in a moment, verse 4. Then saith one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, which should betray him. Why was not this ointment sold for 300 pence and given to the poor? So we find that it was Judas that uh, criticized Mary for what she had done. I want you to go back with me to the Gospel of Mark, chapter 14. And we're going to look at this sacrifice here tonight, this anointing of Jesus for burial. It's really interesting where we are time frame. Uh, we are coming uh, here today, if, if you would look at the time frame, today would have been the crucifixion of the Lord Jesus Christ. And here in this passage of scripture, we read of Mary that is anointing Jesus for his burial. And we see here the sacrifice of Mary. Pick up uh, Mark 14, verse number 3. And being in Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, as he set at meat, there came a woman. Now, that woman, according to the Gospel of John, is Mary. Having an alabaster box of ointment of spikenard, very precious, and she broke the box and poured it on his head. Now, it's evident as you read through the Word of God that Mary had such a special relationship with, with the Lord Jesus Christ. It's very evident that Mary loved the Lord Jesus very dearly. As you read in the Gospel of John chapter 11, the Bible tells us there that Jesus loved Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. So this family was extremely close to Jesus. We find in the Bible that Jesus often spent time in Bethany and it's evident that he spent time in that particular household. I think as we study the word of God, Mary was saved. Mary had been forgiven much. She was grateful in her heart for what Jesus had done. Now understand in the context that in John chapter 11, Lazarus was raised from the dead by Jesus Christ. And remember that Jesus went to the tomb of Lazarus. And there seeing the grief of Mary and Martha and the family and their friends, the Bible tells us Jesus wept. And then the Bible tells us that Jesus called forth Lazarus from the tomb. He told them, roll away the stone. He's been dead four days, they said. And he said, roll away the stone. And then he spoke the words, Lazarus, come forth. And out of that grave came Lazarus, wrapped in the grave clothes. And they took those grave clothes off of him. And can you imagine the grateful hearts of Mary, the sister of Lazarus? And here's Mary. She's the very one that has come now to this meal. And she's anointing the feet of Jesus with her hair. She's poured this alabaster box of ointment upon the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, it seems so clear in the Word of God that she had a pure heart, of love and a gratefulness for Jesus Christ. Now the Bible gives us the cost of this alabaster box, and according to Judas Iscariot, it could have been sold for 300 pence. Now, in the word of God, a pence would have been a day's wages. And so we're talking here that this was 300 days. This is almost a year of labor that was placed into that alabaster box. It was a very precious, valuable alabaster box. I think it seems clear in the word of God that this was probably not a wealthy family. Uh, and so here, Mary, how did she come upon this particular box? Did she work for it? It had been given to her. We don't know the details, but we know that it was extremely valuable and it's something that could have set Mary uh, in store for a great deal of time. She brought that box, and she broke that box upon Jesus, and that was for her a great sacrifice. But I think the heart of Mary, you think about this, Mary's been saved, she's been forgiven. Now her brother has been raised again from death to life. And out of a very grateful heart, tears Mary with this thought that there's no sacrifice that is too great for the Lord Jesus Christ. And so she gave it all. I want you to notice an interesting statement in verse number 8. As Jesus is describing this sacrifice, she had done what she could. I believe if we take that literally, what is meant by that, she had done what she could. In other words, she didn't withhold anything. She did what she could. She gave it all. And I've often wondered, have we done what we could? Have we done our very best for the Lord Jesus Christ? He's worth our very best. I surrender all. Have we truly surrendered all? Have we been willing, like Abraham, to take that son, that dear son that we love, or maybe that possession that is so dear to us? Have we been willing to give that to the Lord Jesus Christ? What would the Lord ask of you that would be very difficult for you to give or to sacrifice? Now, for us tonight, it's a beautiful picture. Here's the alabaster box. It's broken. And it's poured out. And there is a beautiful picture that that should be the illustration of our lives. See, our lives should be broken and spilled out and poured upon the Lord Jesus Christ. Again, there's no sacrifice that is too great for what he has done for us. And out of grateful hearts, if you're saved tonight, if you've been forgiven you thought about the price that he paid for that forgiveness. That's what last night was all about. He gave it all. Uh, what have we done? Have we, like Mary, done what we could? Now, we read in Luke chapter 14, verse number 33, so likewise, whosoever he be of you that forsaketh not all that he hath cannot be my disciple. There was a preacher here recently that spoke of, of William Borden. It's a beautiful story, and Uh, William Barton was heir to great wealth. Yet uh, he had been saved and God began to deal with his heart and had a burden for China. And William Barton gave all of his wealth and surrendered his life uh, to go to China. And uh, he never made it to China. Aboard the ship he became sick and he died before ever arriving in China. Uh, There were several people that stated, what a waste. Here was a promising young man. Here's a man that is heir to great wealth. And yet he gave all of that and surrendered to go to China, such a promising young man. And in a young stage of his life, before even the age of 30, William Borden entered into eternity and multitudes said, what a waste to give his life in such a way and never to make it to the people that he had surrendered to. Well, the long story short, Is God used the testimony of William Borden. When that story and that account was told of a man that sacrificed much, uh, there were other young people that surrendered, and there were many others that made their way to China, becoming missionaries and taking his place. In Romans chapter 12, verses number 1 and 2, Paul the Apostle, and this is the encouragement that he gives to us, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies... A living sacrifice broken and spilled out. A living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. No sacrifice too great for Jesus Christ. So we see the sacrifice of Mary. Mark 14, verse number 5. Here's the questioning of Mary. And it reads, there were some that had indignation within themselves. They said, why was this waste of the ointment made? They couldn't comprehend the love and the gratefulness for which this ointment was poured out upon Jesus. What they saw, what a waste. This valuable ointment poured out wasted. Then the statement for it might have been sold for more than 300 pence and have been given to the poor and they murmured against her. We read previously in the gospel of John chapter 12 that this was Judas Iscariot. He's one of the twelve, one of the apostles. Evidently Judas along here with some others for verse 4 says there were some that had indignation within themselves. Not all spoke out, but they kept this within their hearts. They pondered it, but some did speak out. And verse 5 says they murmured against her. And in the Gospel of John, it tells us that Judas Iscariot is the one that asked the question publicly and made the statement it might have been sold for more than 300 pence and had been given to the poor. And so they murmured at the thoughts of what this woman had done. Uh, Reading from John chapter 12, verses 4 and 5, Then saith one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, which should betray him, why was not this ointment sold for 300 pence and given to the poor? So that's the questioning. That's the line of reasoning. And uh, you think about this, of all people that should have known, here's Judas Iscariot that's been with Jesus now for three and a half years. He's witnessed the miracles of the Lord Jesus. He's heard the teachings of Jesus, of all people he should have known. Here's Jesus over and over that have said, I'm going to Jerusalem. There I will be uh, taken and crucified, and I'll be condemned to die, and then I will rise again. And Judas has heard all of this, but according to John chapter 6, though Judas has walked with Jesus for three and a half years, he had never been born again, never been saved. Jesus said, there is uh, some of you, that uh, believed not. And then he spoke of Judas, the one that would betray him. So Jesus knew the heart of Judas. Judas didn't understand what Mary understood. Judas didn't know Jesus as Mary knew Jesus. And so Judas looks at this sacrifice as a waste. Now, just some important lessons for you tonight. Anytime you serve Christ out of a heart of love, ungratefulness, or any time you give sacrificially, it's going to come into question by somebody. Some will question your motive. There'll be some that will ask, like Judas, what a waste. Whenever a young person surrenders to the Lord, I've heard the statement, well, what a waste. They are so promising. They could have gotten a good education, made a lot of money, and yet the sacrifice for the Lord, nothing given, too great for the Lord. Uh, to pour out the ointment for nothing, that's the heart of a lot of people. Uh, why not get something out of it? And so often those who question the motives, like Judas Iscariot, uh, who genuinely, the question the motive of one who truly loves Christ, they, they have issues themselves. Uh, for in John 12, verse 6, then he said not that he cared for the poor, Here's Judas. He really didn't care about the poor, but notice what the Bible says. He was a thief, and he had the bag. So here's Judas, the thief, and he bare what was put therein. And so Judas had a concept, uh, uh, or no concept, of this woman's love for the Lord Jesus Christ. He didn't know the Lord. He didn't love the Lord. In just a few days, he would betray the Lord. He didn't even care for the poor, that was simply how he justified the question. All Judas cared about was himself and what he could gain and what he could get. That's why he sold Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. Now, here's an important thought. If what you do pleases Jesus, it doesn't matter what anybody else thinks about it. It doesn't matter what Judas says. What matters is, is Jesus pleased. Is your sacrifice pleased? Honoring him. Uh, You may be misunderstood. You may be questioned. But that's okay. If what you've done is honoring the Lord Jesus Christ. Now let's move on back in Mark chapter 14. Notice here the commending. Jesus stood up for Mary. Verse number six. Jesus said, let her alone. I like that. If God be for you, who can be against you? If the Lord's on your side, it's going to be okay. Let her alone. Why trouble ye her? She hath wrought a good work on me. Jesus was blessed by her sacrifice. Jesus was blessed by her motive. And Jesus knew the heart of Mary. He knew that this was given genuinely out of a heart for our love and gratefulness for Jesus Christ. And Jesus was blessed by what Mary did for him. A good work, I like that statement. She hath wrought a good work on me. When you give unto the Lord out of a pure heart, that's a good work. It honors Jesus. When your life is surrendered to the Lord and it's genuine and and you from maybe coming to an altar and at an altar, you're, you're willing, and Lord, I'm, I'm willing to be what you want me to be, and go where you want me to go, and Lord, my life doesn't belong to me. I surrender all. Uh, that is a good work That honors the Lord Jesus Christ. And I, I can remember when the Lord began to deal with my heart, and I began to realize the magnitude of the sin for which I had been forgiven. I began to understand that I would not go to hell, that I would go to heaven, that Jesus had paid it all. I can remember coming with my heart and saying, Lord, uh, I don't know what you want of me, but here I am. And I remember, and I shared this with somebody today, it was like uh, in my own heart, uh, taking a blank sheet of paper and signing my name at the bottom of the paper and just basically saying, Lord, uh, my life is yours, now you fill in the details. I can remember coming to that place and it was out of a grateful heart for the Lord for what he had done for me. And the Bible, as Jesus spoke, she hath wrought a good work on me. I remember back in high school reading this statement, what could I give him, poor as I am? If I were a shepherd, I'd bring him a lamb. If I were a wise man, I'd do my part. Yet what can I give him? Give him my heart. And that's what the Lord wants from us, our hearts. You probably have heard the story of a little boy, the offering plates were being passed in church, and this little boy reaches into his pocket, and he realizes, I I don't have anything to give. What could I give the Lord? And the story is told of this boy that he took that offering plate, he set that offering plate upon the ground or the floor, and he stepped into that offering plate. And with that, he was saying, Lord, I don't have anything to give you, but I give you myself. Whatever you can do with my life. I think that's the heart of Mary. See, in giving that alabaster box, Mary is really surrendering her heart and her life to the Lord Jesus Christ out of gratefulness, out of love. And that was pleasing. It was a good work. Now notice in verse 7 how Jesus committed this woman. In verse number 7, Jesus said, you have the poor with you always. And that's always going to be the case. Uh, Um, Is it wrong to give to the poor? No, not not at all, if that's directed of the Lord. Uh, She said, you have the poor with you always, and whensoever you will, you may do them good. But notice the statement, but me, you have not always. Jesus is looking forward to his crucifixion just around the corner. Then verse number eight, she had done what she could, and I think literally that means she gave all that she had. She did what she could. She has come aforehand, and this is so precious, to anoint my body to the Uh, bearing. It's evident here that Mary, as she was giving to Jesus Christ, uh, understood something that the other apostles had not yet grasped. She saw what they could not see. She had heard the Lord express that he was going to Jerusalem and he would be crucified. She understood that and it seems that Mary saw this and they were blinded to this and she used the opportunity that was presented before her, this opportunity knowing that just around the corner was coming the crucifixion and with the crucifixion his death and his burial. And here the Bible tells us she anointed him for that opportunity. Now interesting, look forward if you would to the Gospel of Mark chapter 16. Because there was another group of women that came to anoint the Lord Jesus Christ, but they were too late. This is after the crucifixion. And so in Mark chapter 16, and when the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene, this is a different Mary, and still another Mary, Mary the mother of James and Salome, had brought or bought sweet spices that they might come to anoint him. Now here's Mary, she gave what she had in advance in the proper timing, but this other group of women bought these spices that they might come to anoint him. And very early in the morning, the first day of the week, they came into the sepulchre at the rising of the sun. And they said among themselves, Who shall roll away or roll us away the stone from the door of the sepulchre? And when they looked, they saw that the stone was rolled away, for it was very great. And entering into the sepulchre, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, clothed in a long white garment. And they were affrighted. And he said unto them, Be not affrighted, you seek Jesus of Nazareth, which was crucified. He is risen, he is not here. Behold, the place where they laid him. They came to anoint Jesus, but they were too late. And Mary seemed to have a premonition, an idea, an understanding that he was going to be crucified. And in advance of that crucifixion, she anointed the Lord Jesus Christ. And so what a precious testimony. And the Lord commended her for what she had done in the preparation for that burial. What a blessing. Then we go back to Mark chapter 14. And I want you to see a verse here that really sums up this thought, this testimony that was given of Mary. In verse number 9, Verily I say unto you, this is Jesus speaking, Wheresoever this gospel shall be preached throughout the whole world, this also that she had done shall be spoken of her for a memorial of her. We have her testimony given to us in the word of God. And told for us what Judas thought was a waste has been used of God to challenge multitudes of others through the centuries, through the ages, until our day. And until the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. Here's a woman that took and did what she could. She gave it all to Jesus Christ. She anointed him for his burial. And that testimony now has gone on before her as a challenge to multitudes of others. And I can say tonight that a life that is broken and spilled out for Jesus will bear a testimony that will endure and carry on. I received a call recently from a pastor. Just just, uh, spoke with him yesterday. Uh, And I've talked to this pastor many times and he called He's seeking a pastor for a small church here in New Mexico. And uh, we began to talk and uh, we, you know, just between us, there are multitudes of churches here that need pastors. And then he shared he had talked with a pastor in Wisconsin. And this pastor in Wisconsin said, "Uh, we know of 16 churches in Wisconsin. These are independent Baptist churches, 16 independent Baptist churches right now in Wisconsin that need a pastor. And there are churches all across this nation that need pastors. Uh, We've talked and I mentioned in our Christian school recently, uh, we can go through town after town and village after village right here in our own state. I took a trip up to El Rito and uh, just uh, went to knocking Doors uh, just on Saturday. And, and there are so many people that we know, so many relationships that we have. Uh, it was recently in Mara. Then we were in Penasco. And uh, we've been up in Los Alamos. And we have all kinds of places and uh, different locations. And we need churches. We need people. We need people to go. The laborers are few. The harvest is multitudes. You know, there's a need everywhere. But there seems to be today this concept that to go somewhere to surrender to maybe pastor a small church or to be a missionary somewhere to some remote location, that that's a waste of life. But can I say when somebody is in the will of God and they give themselves to Jesus, and they're in God's will, a life that is spilled out for Jesus bears a testimony that will endure. Uh, I've heard the statement uh, of a young man that had surrendered. This was many years ago to, uh, to serve the Lord Jesus Christ in whatever capacity. He was a very sharp young man. Had a promising career ahead of him. And yet uh, he came one day and said, Lord, I'm yours. And when he surrendered to the Lord, there were many that questioned, what a waste. This man could have made so much money. He could have done so many things. He had such promise. Why would he serve the Lord? Can I share that there's no other service greater than to be in the will of God for your life? Now, I shared with somebody today, uh, God may want you to be an engineer. Praise the Lord. Do it and pour your life out for Jesus. God may want you to be a truck driver, may want you to be a scientist, may want you to be a politician. Ah, I don't know. (laughs) A lawyer and a politician, they go hand in hand. I I don't know. Uh, God may want that. Uh, We need Christian politicians, need Christian lawyers. Uh, We need people today that are surrendered and willing to come and say, Lord, my life is yours. Uh, Whatever I do, whatever my occupation, my ultimate occupation is serving you. And I'll just be what you want me to be. Here's my life. Surrendered to you. This alabaster box that represents my life. Lord, I'm going to break it and pour it out for you. I mentioned William Borden and how his death inspired a generation of young people who made their way to China. In that testimony, you've heard the story of Jim Elliot's. Jim Elliot is the man that made the statement, he is no fool who gives that which he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. And you've heard the story of Jim Elliot and his friends, four others, that gave their lives to seek and reach an unreached people of Ecuador. The story is told as they flew into this region and tried to develop a relationship, they they were martyred. And some of you may remember the time or you've read the stories, but newspapers and news reporters all across the nation and literally all across the world made a statement like this. What a waste. Such promising young men. What a waste that they would give their lives to go and reach an unreached people group. They had families, they had wives, they had children. What a waste. But what others could not see is that their lives, broken and spilled out, touched a multitude of others. And there were many that because of their life, because of their sacrifice, because of their testimony, they surrendered their lives to being what Jesus wanted them to be. Another interesting part about that, the very men that took their lives or the lives of these missionaries saw the way they died. And they said, "We saw, as these men died, that they had something that we don't have." And as a result, the wives, or some of the wives of these men that uh, were martyred uh, in Ecuador uh, to say, take the gospel, some of their wives went back to the very people that took the lives of their husband, and almost an entire tribe was converted to Jesus Christ. You see, their legacy lived on. The alabaster box was broken. And it was spilled out for Jesus. And it was a precious ointment for the Lord. It was costly. They did what they could. And then their lives were stuffed short. But the Lord took what they did and multiplied their gift and their sacrifice to touch the lives of others. Mary's sacrifice to us lives on. It's a legacy. It's a testimony. I'd like with that our heads bowed, eyes closed.